Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Well, it's just going to be one of those days. Who's got a red cape? Ole. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the matador here? I have a cowboy hat. If Jessica does not jump on the back of this thing and ride it across the room, let me one v one the Gorgon. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Fortunately, when uh, Hollis leveled up, she took transformation and can now give herself fighter base attack and grappling <laughs> bonuses. <laughs> if only gave you fighter saves too. Hmm. Yeah. All the fort. So I suppose to jump back in to things, when last we had left our heroes, the doorkeepers of the Duwat had flown above the city of Wati to confront a flying pyramid which had been shooting black rays of destruction down into the city. More of a warning shot, really. Upon arriving, they had fought a quartet of mummified harpies. Yeah, it was horrible. Entered into the structure, found the place was full of traps everywhere yep. you went, oh, basically. Oh boy. Traps! And they were really funny. Traps left, right, and center. Mostly mostly traps that were like wily coyote ones that would just drop you to the ground. The important thing being that they had become aware that this was a pyramid. This was the pyramid of Hakatep's aunt, the general Istikimhabet, mm-hmm. who had apparently decided as part of her funeral arrangements, one, she'd have a cool shifting snake tunnel thing going on, which is kind I of fun. I don't know if she decided that or Chisisek was like, yo, I've got this really cool idea. I totally want to try this out, y'all. Let's do this. And Hakatep had to be like, so hear me out. <laughs> Auntie, I know that this is going to be weird, but Chisisek's kind of a genius. <laughs> One of a kind snake doodad. Yep. Uh, in addition to that, however, she also seemed to have decided to dedicate large portions of her tomb to her complete and utter hatred of a single family, the... The Sek Petra, since they had apparently at one point captured her and petrified her. Just such a strange thing to put in your tomb. Okay, yeah, they did that thing one time, and like for us, that was just like a Tuesday. You know? I, <laughs> like, I feel I like there is more to, that. to this story. Like, probably. Didn't they turn her into a statue and like put her like as a statue in their house and weren't ever planning on unpetrifying her? Yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. But surely she had more than one enemy that was pretty bad, you know? I don't know, petrifying you and turning you into garden statuaries, pretty, uh, I mean, and denying that, like, just like we were talking about with them, it denied her her afterlife and all that other stuff for Osirian, that was very important to Osirian. I understand why she's mad. Is it petty? Yes. Not mad enough to take up half of my tomb. (laughs) My tomb's for me. It's probably more of one of those, This was, I am so great and powerful, this is like what I was able to do in life, and it's like, haha, yeah. and also an F you to them with the whole like not being able to go to the afterlife. Yeah. It's funny, and someone, um, one of our listeners actually sent me a message, I think because we're talking about how uh, when you guys first showed up and the, the writing on the wall was basically, yeah, if you loyally serve Hakatep, he rewards you with death. Yay. You know, everyone made kind of a joke about it, and it's like, well, yeah, but it is kind of a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Where uh, and in this case, it was these people literally raised up arms against the blood of their god king, which is the equivalent of assaulting the heavens itself, as well as Maat, the very order of existence. Still, why bother your temple with that? Put them in like a valley somewhere. Because it's something that makes you happy. You exacted your revenge on them, and it <laughs> brings her joy. No, that tells me something. Everything I need so, to know about her. So now I just am imagining Marie Kondo in the corner, going, "This sparks joy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yes. she's a vengeful, vengeful. Mm-hmm. So you had continued, made your way. You'd found the room where she had petrified all of the Sekpetras and horribly mangled their faces. 
Uh, yeah, she took it a, a you know a step further. Yep, and you had then uh, made your way back down the other passage to arrive, uh, finding a lot of doors. When you'd reach the end of this passage, you'd open a door to find a small room containing two more doors. You'd then open one of those doors to find another small room containing another door. All of this leading into an area referred to as a stable. Upon opening the door, you had arrived in the stable. I believe there's a large hieroglyph that you're able to identify, noting this as Kor on Took the Rubble Maker. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's not forget that there is a mirror version of one of us running around, probably. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. May or may not come into play in this episode. Rick's going to drag that out. So we're at the boss fight and going, oh, man, and they're going to come in here right now. Is it bad that when you said his name, all I heard was Gandalf say, fool of a took. Fool of a took. <laughs> yes. Again, you had opened up this door, revealing a spacious chamber from where you stand to the far side. It's about 60 feet in overall length, probably about 50 feet in width. This chamber has been decorated with the trappings of a stable. A few drifts of old straw cover the floor while the remnants of wooden gates and fencing lie amid the ruins. The bulk of this rubble strewn, the bulk of the rubble strewn about the room appear to be fragments of what were once a set of incredibly lifelike statues of men and women. Standing in the center of this room is a massive creature a bull-like creature seemingly made of interlocking metallic plates. Faint plumes of green smoke puff from its mouth, the entirety of it enwrapped in these linens, which cover its body, and bladed protrusions coming off of its shoulder blades and horns. It's just weird because it's already made of metal. Why are you wrapping it? It's so that it matches the aesthetic. Otherwise, it's going to look really out of place, right? Shipping padding in case it falls over. Well, I mean, they (laughs) they technically still mummified it. Because while its skin is made of metal, it still had internal organs. They're magical beasts. They're not conscious. Organs are alive, so it's a mummified gorgon. <laughs> yep. I like that, uh, that the the little artwork for it almost seems like he's waving. He's like, hey, yeah. guy. Uh-huh. He's just sticking his foot up towards you. Yeah, I think we had left off as you guys had opened the door, took a look at this, and went, well. <laughs> so and then rolled for initiative. Oh, I was going to say, did we, <laughs> do we have the opportunity to shut the door? No, it turns door. its gaze no. towards you two plumes, almost, almost like a cartoon bull of steam shoot out of its nostrils on either side and plume outwards as it turns its red glowing gaze towards all of you. And I will need initiative from the party. Well, oh, Cyrus. Okay, okay that's not of, terrible. That's pretty d- darn good, actually. All right, let's get some combat going here. Cue up a little Sirenscape. Sirenscape. Undead bulls. Is there a sound set for that? This some bull, yes. <laughs> All right. Hollis Starkweather. Hollis rolled a 10 for a 17. Sudi Kantar. Sudi rolls a 19 for a 22. Citra Nahamra. Citra rolled a 7 for a 13. Oh my. Ouch. Yep. Masika of the Beckon. Masika rolled a 5 for an 8. Oh wow. Wow, wow. Ouch. See about Kor Antuk. We close this door, we step back, we close the next door, we step back, we close the third door. I don't think that's going to stop him. Well, it'll slow him down. Combat begins. City Contar, you have first initiative. Okay, then. Uh, wasn't expecting that. Um, if my math is correct, 10, 20, 30, 40. It's exactly 50 feet to get behind this bowl. Gorgon bowl. So 10, 20, 30, 40, 45, 50. I get behind the bowl, 
Let me check. He does not take an attack of opportunity. Yep. And I'm gonna punch him. In the butt. Yep. <laughs> Actually, swift action to get big, and then I'm gonna punch him. Um, because uh, that'll increase my fort save. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. That's, that's a teeny tiny bit metagamey, but it's also like this is a giant metal bowl, and Sudi's probably like, I don't know what the heck this is, but I'm gonna need my big fist for this. I'm gonna 1v1 this bowl. I better be big. <laughs> I really don't wanna 1v1 this bowl. And uh, that was. Okay, that is a 7 for a 28. A 28. Will strike your flat-footed target. So Sudi rushes forward, leaps to the attack, skitters across the rubble in here before exploding into double his size, punching out with one solid fist. Give him the old one-two. And that is uh, 19 points of damage. A solid blow as you slam your fist into this. There's a resounding sound like a gong as your fist impacts like into the side inside, of this thing and there's this hollow reverberation. Uh, what is this? So do you also take nine points of damage as your fist slams into the bladed protrusions across this thing as you retract Ouch. your bloodied hand. Hey, on the, on the plus side, it's only four points of damage. He's a bull. <laughs> do we have bull? Like, do, do we yeah, have bulls? Do they, do they have bulls in us here? I guess they have to, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Ha Hathor have... literally has a cow head. Yeah, yeah okay. But Absudi's probably never seen a metal bull. No. I know it's a bull, but it's metal. So it's a metal bull. I haven't made my knowledge check yet. Hollis <laughs> <laughs> Starkweather. I want to make a knowledge check. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we ever turn this into a movie, we would have to do fourth wall breaking stuff like this. <laughs> yes, Deadpool style. Yes, exactly. Uh, you may make a knowledge arcana or knowledge religion. They are the same. Uh, you actually, sorry. You may make one and the other. Oh, well, I got a 26 on Arcana because I rolled a three. And I rolled a nat 20 for my religion, so I got a 43. Chaos wow. dies. So for your religion, you're aware that this is a mummified creature. You've already identified the mummified creature previously. Mm, dang it. What a waste of a 20. Uh, so, yeah, it's got the same thing that the mummified creature that you identified previously is concerned, where it has damage reduction. It's... Uh, Vulnerable to an element, although it can be any of the five elements. You gotta find that symbol on its. Robes. You can find the symbol on its body and attempt to determine what that. <laughs> it's mummified. Find the symbol. Is. Yep, and you also know that uh, since it is a mummified creature, it is made substantially slower by being so. Mm, okay. Well, that right. might be in our benefit. Yeah, to our benefit. definitely. With your twenty-six arcana, I believe you said. Mm-hmm. You're able to identify that this once was a gorgon. Ah. Gorgons are magical, foul-tempered creatures. While they may appear to be constructs at first glance, beneath their artificial-looking armored plates, they are made of flesh and bone. Like aggressive bulls, they charge any unfamiliar creature they encounter, often trampling their opponent's corpse or shattering its stony remains until the creature is unrecognizable. Mm. The females are just as dangerous as the males, and the two sexes appear identical. As an interesting side note, gorgons are not herbivores or carnivores. In fact, they eat rock. They're ah. rockivores. They're ah. troll. Uh, they're, they're they're rock trolls. They can derive nutrition from uh, any number of different uh, consumed materials. Particularly, however, the stone of petrified victims provides them the greatest nourishment. Wow. Makes you wonder. So that implies that there is a taste difference when you're a petrified stone versus a naturally occurring stone. Well, think of it this way: if you're if you're petrified stone, you know it's like just cooking something right there. Whereas, you know. Regular rocks have been there for so long, it's like bad leftovers. Mm. As a fun side note, apparently <laughs> they cannot digest uh, metals or gems. 
Interesting. And as such, they just pooped them out. <laughs> Apparently, so you're telling they, us we need to check the bullshit. <laughs> they go into this where they state that their dung, which resembles bitter-smelling gray powder, often contains small raw crystals and nuggets of ore. <laughs> I feel like dwarves have these as pets. Yes. <laughs> and, and they're like shoveling their dirt into there and just like using it as like those little gold panning. Uh, and then yeah, things. see, they they mine and then give the bulls the you know the chips that they mined out to see if there's anything left and then you know the young kids just have one of those yeah, gold it's, it's just kind of like panning for ore yeah <laughs> yes. so yeah, in right. case you're wondering why anyone would ever mess with this thing that's why <laughs> all right um it's bad it eats rocks it turns people into rocks it runs them over sudi don't be a rock yeah any more than you already are. <laughs> you do have two questions pertaining towards the Gorgon, if you wish to take them. Special defenses. Special defenses? Gorgons innately possess no special defenses. Oh, excellent. Other than the fact that, you know, they have a really good natural armor. You don't know what these blades are that are sticking off of this thing. That is not something common to Gorgons and or mummified creatures. So, like with Basilisks, you can bathe people in their blood and then they become unpetrified. Is there something like that for Gorgons? The bad news is no. The good news is the effects of the of a Gorgon's breath weapon are temporary. Hmm. Those caught in the area of effect can attempt a fortitude save to resist the effects. Those that fail to save are petrified. However, they are allowed each turn to attempt a new fortitude save to recover from the petrification. If they are subject to the breath weapon the second time, the, the petrification becomes permanent. Ah. Okay. And they are no longer allowed fortitude saves. All right. It's a breath weapon that petrifies people. Fan out. And then I'm going to go ahead, you know, it's, it may not be the best plan because this thing's probably got a pretty good fortitude save, but I'm going to go ahead and disintegrate. Pew, pew. Okay. <laughs> Hollis not messing around with a fort save. I don't like, I don't like petrification. Uh, so step one, hit the Gorgon. It's pretty big. One on every dice. I got a 19. <laughs> a 19 will, however, strike the Gorgon. All right, it gets a fort save. The fort save DC is a 23. It gets a 31. Yeah, well, it can take half. <laughs> What's half? I don't even know. I think it's... Is it half or is it just a flat 5d6? Uh, it is... 5d6. It's still not a lot. So Hollis shouts out chants and tones, points a hand over Citra's shoulder, a green wraith streaks out from her index finger to strike the side of Koran Tuk. 21 points of damage. Disintegrating That's a swath through the side of its bandage wrappings. From there we go to Kor Antuk. Ah, oh, nuts. The Gorgon turns, you know, its back feet kick out in Sudi's direction just to push Great. him back and away this before fine. this blast of green gas rolls out from it. It is a 60-foot cone. Dang it! Ah, crud. As it rolls forward over Citra, Masika, and Hollis, blasting ah. into the hallway beyond as it fills the air with this horrible horrendous smell like rotting vegetation. Gross. Hey, not 20 though, baby. Oh god, I, I rolled a two fortitude save from the ladies. I'm gonna die soon. I rolled two nat 20s. Um, fortitude save. I rolled a 20 for a 27. Masika rolls a 15 for a 23. Sidra rolled a 14 for a 26. Mm. Eh? Okay, alright. Mm -hmm. The dust rolls over all of you, seemingly to no effect. I'm okay. See how soon you can do that again. It then begins to close on the bulk of the party, provoking attack opportunity from Sudi. Bap him. 
Uh, I roll an eight for a 29. Will not strike your target as your uh, fist rebounds off of the height of this thing. Dang it. All right, that's a problem. I mean, I, to be fair, I rolled an eight, but <laughs> that's a problem. Citra Nahamra, this thing comes bearing down on you as you look around this room of just, you think dozens of victims of this thing previously. Even as it begins to bear down and you kind of recover from this uh, this initial blast of its noxious breath, you can tell that it's already starting to rebuild it. As you can just see this kind of plume growing inside of its otherwise vacant chest, since it has no lungs. It's definitely cheaty that it gets to do this, even though it has no lungs. Or whatever organ, <laughs> so, I guess, makes this stuff. Citra. Citra, even still, is going to close the ten feet. Very well. Between her and this scary creature. Despite being large, it is a quadruped and therefore does not have reach. So, and then she is going to ready for Sudi to step into the flank. Close and ready, Masika of the Beckon. Masika is going to use her crown of the falcon that we got from Sarathet. Oh, and real quick, uh, if you will, bounce me a will save. I know your will saves here. are ridiculous, but it is still bearing down on you. Roll an eight for 25. You're good. Uh, so I'm going to use the crown of the falcon and convert one of my slay livings into a ray as an immediate right. action. Okay. All right. So I get a, I roll an 11, which gets me a 23 total to hit its range touch AC. 23 will strike the side of a giant bull. Uh, she does 16 points of damage with that ray. Nice. Solid hit. So uh, the little clockwork owl will start to sing. Everybody within within 30 feet gets a plus more plus one morale bonus on attack and damage rolls. And I'll just including stay. or on hook on hook. No, nah. no, no. He loves it's allies. <laughs> he likes <Can> owls. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those like uh, those African wildebeests that have like the little birds that come around and clean <laughs> the, uh, the they mats off horns. Of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's allies within 30 feet. He's not an ally, yes. unfortunately. So that's the end of my turn. He could be. From Masika, we go to Sudikantar. All Already right. will save. Oh, great. Okay, I roll an 18 for a 31. 31 will succeed. Yay! Probably right. just going to be Citra that this got, but fear effects tend to only get Citra. Citra's save is better than Hollis's. We all have our one weakness. Um, okay, so I am 20 feet away from the bowl. Um, mm-hmm. Goron took. Um, so I can flying kick to him because flying kick works Whee! up to my movement bonus and do a full uh, flurry of blows starting with a kick. Yeah. Okay. I do. I also then enter into her uh, to the songbird space plus one. Hiya. All right, flurry. All right, our first one here. It's not good. It is a rolling a five for a twenty-seven. We'll strike your flank target. Oh, thank goodness. So that is 17 points of... Oh, uh, I should have declared it beforehand to go to pummeling style, but it doesn't actually matter because it doesn't have damage reduction. Uh, 17 points of damage. 17 points of damage? Yep. Your fist slams in. Uh, you are not doing full damage to it. But you said it had no special defenses, so... Hey, Gorgon has no special defenses. However, oh, you guys previously identified a mummified creature, which does okay. have a damage reduction. Right, uh, you, you can look also... around and see if you see the symbol. Well, yes. first, well, first, let me resolve my, my attack. A couple things happen at once here. 
So first off, Sudi, you take 11 points of damage as your fist slices Ow. across the blades protruding off the side of this thing. Secondly, Citra's readied action goes off now that the target is flanked. Yay. Does that mean I get two attacks? Technically, the opportunist would trigger first and then the hmm. readied action would trigger after that. Okay. So my first attack, which thanks to the birdie bird, uh, I rolled a nine, which gets me a 25 plus two for the flank, which is a 27 for my first attack. Will not strike a target. Yeah. Your blade glancing off of the side of this thing. Okay. Honestly, it's not so much that your stab was bad, so much as you're trying to find an angle that you don't slice yourself open on the razor blades covering this thing. Thanks, Chisisek. I have a feeling, I don't think that was Chisisek. I think it was, this was, (laughs) what's her face's mount, and she decked it all to Oh, that would have been a cool mount. All right. Full iron thrown on it. Actual ready to attack, though, was much better. Okay. Uh, I rolled a 19, which gets me a 35. 35 will strike a target. Um, I would hope so. And that is a threat. Yay! Hits threats, roll to confirm. Will a 29 confirm? A 29 will confirm your critical hit. Oh, sweet. Okay. All right. Okay, and then does my D6 of electricity actually do anything to him, or... Yeah, go ahead and roll it. They they don't have any resistances to any elements. They just have a weakness to an element. Citra with her sneak attack damage, which is now 76, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, and the getting the critical, I do 52 points of damage. Ouch. Excellent. Nice. Excellent job. That is an exceptionally impressive strike as your weapon rams into the side of this thing's neck and you feel the blade dig into its spinal cord. You wrench the weapon back free, taking nine points of damage as the blades slice across your forearm and cut into your hand. Is it looking hurt? I mean, maybe. Hard, hard to tell it's because injured, it's undead. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Again, there's a large swath missing out of it. Like, Sudi's cracked his fist into it a couple of times. Speaking of, we have the rest of Sudi's attacks. Yep. Yes. All right. So, second attack for Sudi is probably not going to hit. Uh, let's see. That is a 26 with the flank. Will not strike a target. Oh, I do need to debilitate it. Um, well, because of all its defenses, I would like to drop its AC, so I will bewilder it. Minus two for the group, minus six for me. Okay. So does that happen to make the uh, will not strike a target? Ah, all right, worth a shot. I did. Um, okay, third attack. Uh, so that is a twelve for a thirty-one. Thirty-one will strike a target. Yay! For sixteen points of damage. Yep, your fist slams in. You take an additional eight points of damage. And, all right, last attack. Uh, Roll a 19. 34. 34 will strike a target. Woo! For 19 points of damage. So you slam your fist home again and again and again, each time coming back away, fist bloodied. You take another nine points of damage as you slam your fist into it again. Thank goodness I got big, because uh, having DR5 versus DR2 is paying off right now. From there, we go to Hollis. Does it seem close to death? It appears to be injured. Again, it's missing a chunk out of its side and has numerous injuries. It has been struck seven times, I think. Maybe six. Once critically. It's also an undead abomination. It's kind of hard to tell how badly injured it is. Eh. Hollis will cast a new spell because it's fun, and it doesn't require her to make attack rolls. Um... Firebrand. So all of us, but essentially everybody gets a cool rune that looks like a little mask, uh, Nethys mask, that 
allows you to add a d6 of fire damage on a hit. It affects both natural and manufactured weapons. Additionally, at any point during the duration, which is like 13 rounds, um, you can launch a beam of fire at any target within 30 feet as a swift action and uh, do 66 points of fire damage. It's a touch attack. Wow. If you do that, the spell ends. So do that when you don't want fire on your normal attacks anymore. Okay. All right. That's very cool. All right. So y'all can do that. That'll be my turn. And Hollis is like, all right. You're all fiery now. All right. That brings us to Korontuk. He will start off by kicking in his burst of vengeance, giving himself haste. He will then Uh-oh. full out attack. Well, okay then. kind of feel bad for him. He didn't do anything besides be mummified and put in this tomb. Eh, he doesn't have to attack us. He started it. Uh, he will start with... Citra did a ton of damage to him. <laughs> yeah, she did. He will full out attack Citra. He will power attack. Uh-oh. That's bad. So it starts with a gore. That, however, is probably not going to hit. Well, actually, no, that still might. That's a 32. Oh, on the nose. Yeah. That'd be 38 points of damage as his horns slam Ooh. into you. Rears Owie. back. Gores again with his haste attack. Yep, came close. Uh, that is a 45. Whoa! Yeah. Sorry, that came close was came close to critically. Uh, not quite, though. Ooh. Came close to max damage there, too. That's 45 points of damage. Ow, crud. Then rears up with his hooves. Kicks out with his hooves. Hooves. It's gonna I like saying you. the word hooves. Uh, first one's a 32. Oh. Yeah. The first hoof strikes for 23 points of damage. Uh-oh. Rears back up. Brings down the other hoof. It's a 30 even. Does not hit me. Ha-ha! All right. <laughs> I have you. three hit points. You roll out of the way of that last attack, diving to the side. It has animal intelligence, but it does have enough intelligence to step. So it kind of dressages to the side. (laughs) Bringing us from there, like a graceful ballerina now covered in Citra's blood, to Citra. Oh, that's fine. Since Sudi's embiggened, I can still take a five-foot step over and uh, full attack. Like a hero. Your Captain America saying, I can do this all day. Citra, bleeding everywhere. All right, full out attack on this guy. You know what? Uh, since he has the bewildering, I'm going to go ahead and two-weapon fight. Yeah, the rare Citra two-weapon fighting. I know, it doesn't happen very often. Well, you have all the fire as well. I rolled a 19 with the flanks and bonuses and whatnot is a 35. A 35 will strike your flank target. Oh, wait, that was a threat. I need to roll to confirm. Yes. Um, Crit it again. Will a 32 confirm? A 32 will confirm as you launch yourself to the side and stab out your blade, streaming fire and crackling lightning simultaneously as it buries into the thing. How does it even work? Magic. Yeah. Uh, So for my first attack, that is 44 points of damage. Nice. A telling hit as your blade slams into this thing. You wrench yourself free for your first and possibly only attack 
as you slice yourself across this thing, taking eight points of damage. Oh, oh no, I forgot about that! Stumbling before, I believe that drops you into the negatives. It does. (laughs) As Citra goes, I'll finish it, dives, hits this, wrenches her blade free. Citra forgot. Kind of totters for a second as she's just screaming blood everywhere before Sudi, you just watch her fall, crashing into the rubble beneath her. I'm not dead though. I'm at negative unacceptable. Five. <laughs> and you're not. That was to dust? that is that was heroic. If she had knocked that out and passed out, that would have been so epic. You still get to declare your debilitating strike, and the turn to dust specifies that a if killed by a natural attack. That is not a natural attack. It's a defensive ability. Ah, okay, okay. cool, 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 cool. Uh, anyway, so he's still uh, he's still bewildered for you guys. Enjoy. Woo. From Citra. Please kill him before he stomps on me. Right. Masika the Beckon. Masika is going to use her swift action to launch a fire beam at this guy. Fire beam! As, as you do so, from over your shoulder, you hear a Shitra no! Screaming it's from Narmer. It's a swift action. <laughs> no, it is, it's a swift. It's fair. Narmer, I've I'm got this. <laughs> it, it, it is that thing where she thought to do the damage first before healing Citra. Well, you don't want to get in there and then do a ranged attack, so. Well, no, well, no, just, no I'm more just reach. saying that Narmer is dramatic because. 24 to hit its ranged touch AC. <laughs> you extend your hand. A blast of fire streaks from your fingertips. Uh, is that with a minus four for firing into melee? No. So, 20? Yeah. 20 will still strike the broadside of wolf. Oh, 21 because of our songbird. But anyway. Oh, okay. Yay. Blackjack. 21 will miss. No. <laughs> Only the 20 will hit, did, but the did 21. Did you see the look of death that Heather just gave you? The I could feel didn't. it. I could feel it. The audience will just have to imagine it with the power of imagination. I do 19 points of fire damage. This sears across this thing, however, it is still going. Uh, the fire does not appear to have affected it any more than the electricity has. Masika will then move 10 feet forward and cast her uh, heal spell on uh, Citra. Citra gets 130 hit points back. Yay, I'm back Yay, at full. Yay, Citra. Citra, you <laughs> blink up from where you're... Again, you didn't actually even fully pass out. You just hit the ground and you just... There are these black spot, spots as if you've given too much blood. Uh, as, I mean, you know, Citrus sticking her feet up in the air trying to keep herself from blacking out. Narmer, find the yes. find the hieroglyph. Okay. What am I looking for? Uh, Narmer rolls a 12 on his perception, which gets him a 30 to find the hieroglyph. There's all kinds of markings on this guy. Hold on. Checking the DC. <laughs> <laughs> Narmer would be our Deadpool character for sure. <laughs> oh, there it is. I must make a linguistics check. How linguistics for am I? Uh, Narmer rolls a perfect 20 for a 27. <laughs> nice, nice. Clutch, Fortunately, Narmer. when everyone else has been sleeping, I've been studying this Rosetta Stone tablet we've got. <laughs> also taking Rosetta Stone. He actually has the same uh, bonus that Citra does. <laughs> nice. Yep, yep. Ancient Oshiriani hieroglyph for acid. <laughs> it I looks t- like a little test tube with smoke. <laughs> I just love it. I can't help but always go back to the mummy and just be like, a manifest! <laughs> yep. It looks like a bird, a stork, or something. <laughs> yep. Yep. Secretly voiced by John Hanna. Mashika. You want to spit at it? It's acid. <laughs> it's my time to shine. <laughs> Step back, Shooty, stay down, Shitra. I'll handle this. 
Narmer will use a charge from his inserted wand and hurl an extra acidy spitball at this thing. For the benefit of our audience, I will not make it. However, he does that make that like getting ready to hawk up something <laughs> sound. <laughs> I just said, for the benefit of our audience, I will not make that because for some people I that would make you. it very. He rolls. Oh, it's more of a snort, not the he, really like actual. He rolls like, a uh, fifteen, which gets him a twenty-seven. So minus four is a twenty-three to hit this thing's range touch AC. A twenty-three will hit its touch AC. Since he used to charge from the wand, he does 2d6 points of acid damage. Narmer does 10 points of acid damage, which makes it 20 <laughs> points of acid damage since it's a weakness. His little glob of acid just goes <laughs> Weakness does not double, it increases Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so he does 10, 15. However, <laughs> oh as the Gorgon rears up, <laughs> in your eye. brings open its mouth to breathe this cone of... Petrifying gas, Narmer spits straight down its throat. <laughs> it then makes his <laughs> oh my God. and then falls over. <laughs> it's like the end scene from Return to Oz. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Oh. Narmer stands so still. <laughs> it's like something broke. And then there's a tick as he launches himself to the wing and flies three times around the outside, screaming his own praises. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the first time he's ever killed someone? Did I just see what I think I saw? If you show me being awesome. <laughs> yes. He then flutters back down. It's at this moment that I truly feel like I'm pouring my weight in this party. Sudi <laughs> <laughs> so, will, will walk over to Narmer, still large size, and just hold out a giant fist for him to bump. <laughs> he like double fins flip, like flipper slaps it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It must have been all the stone powers I've been absorbing. <laughs> I thought that good. was I thought that was appropriate. Good, good job, Narmer. Good job. <sighs> nice, man. All right, let's find this Hockatep guy. I'm going to spit right in his face, too. <laughs> let's, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yes, Hockatep's weakness may not be acid. True. We could hope. It seems to be a shame. Well, for this place. Oh, my God. Well, Citra Narmer gets off the ground. Saves the day, man. Wow. Yeah, because I, I was literally like, I really hope I can drop this or else I don't know what it'll do next. Yeah, Citra, you stumble up to your feet. Trying not to slip in your own blood, which is still everywhere, despite the fact that somehow that magical heal spell replenished your depleted blood supply. Mm -hmm. The things that the bards don't include in the stories is slipping in your own blood. Uh, Sudi gets <laughs> 22 hit points back from Masika's daily healing hex. Who that? You. You. Oh, 22. Okay. You're the only other person that's hurt, I think. Oh, okay. I mean, I was only down like, what, 17? So yeah, I'm at full. Yeah. Cool. Uh, All uh, right. Thank you is, is the words you were looking for. Also, thank you. <laughs> I guess let's take a quick search of the rubble in this room. They can't digest gems, baby. Yeah, you might find yeah, something. Honey, let's see if we can find some gem, some little tiny gems that it's. Uh, I wish passed. we had a leaf blower uh, right now. Unfortunately, a as a uh, unfortunately as an undead creature, it does not poop. Oh yeah. Oh, true. Oh, true. Disappointing. Disappointing. You can uh, cut it open and dig around in there, but other than uh, we're not going to do that. I'm yeah, just going to detect magic. That's on that, yeah. like, desecrating the dead level. Yeah, so, There's yeah. uh, nothing magical in this chamber. Citra would just like to look around. Maybe there's look a secret, secret door doors. here and there. Yeah. You know, okay. I'll even use my fun little lens. 
Masika spends this time to calm Narmer down. (laughs) (laughs) He's giving you a play-by-play as if you weren't there. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's gone full Ron Weasley when Ron does well in Quidditch. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Go ahead and have Citra make me a perception roll since she's searching the room. What are the rest of you doing? I was detecting magic. Uh, Sidhu also searched the room for hidden doors and caches and the like. Okay, so both of you are specifically looking around the walls of the room for hidden doors. Yeah. Okay. I rolled a 10 for a 32. I roll a 17 for a 40. I may only have one eye, but it's a very perceptive eye. Mm. Okay, and uh, Hulse detecting magic. Masika is calming down Normer. Yeah, that's a several round action, I'm I was, sure. I just say, that's worth a 10 minute rest right there. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Uh, so, Sudi, Citra, you circle around the outside of this room. It takes about, since you're searching square by square as you're going, about four or five minutes. It is a very large room. You pass mm-hmm. one another at one point, just kind of nod, circle back the other way as Sudi's going clockwise and Citra's going counterclockwise. Yep. We might have done this before. Right. You meet back up at the door, finding no secret cham- or secret doors out of this chamber. Well... There's nothing secret here, so, I mean, this could have just been the, the stables. There was so another door in the little room that we first came in. Yeah, might as well go across, folks. When Hollis detected magic, she did not detect any magic in the room. Doesn't mean that there might not be gemstone poop or something. Some, yeah, something you said they don't poop? Who knows? Maybe you lived here before you died. That'd be weird. <laughs> be weird. I spend a minute to prepare another firebrand in my empty seventh level slot. Uh, what nice. do you guys get taking 10 on a perception check? 27. 33. There is nothing in this chamber, but... Okay. You got our hopes up for nothing? I just want to mention that. that you, it was helpful you to be complete. You searching this chamber. <laughs> but we make our we, way across We left across literally no stone unturned. We should search these walls for secret doors, too, because, I don't know, you never know. If you wish. I will search whatever walls Hollis points me at. I say we, but I really mean y'all. I point at every wall. We're searching like the ceiling and the the floor. You, We're making know. sure there's no triggers. You guys can just keep to the ground. Yeah, you guys can just keep rolling if you so wish, or you can just take ten. Yeah, I'll you just take ten. Average. So I've got a thirty-three. I think yeah, Sudi's is the highest. Sudi's yeah. is the highest. Yes. Okay. So Sudi's sweeping your eye over the chamber. No, you can do so again for the following chamber if you so wish. Yeah, sure. Thirty-three. No, you're good. Okay. There's a single door that exits out of this chamber. Does this have a sign telling us what the room is? It does, actually. What does it Aquarium. say? <laughs> Shamu, is that you? Undead Shamu. Mummy Shamu. Hmm. Or worse, it's those killer whales that turn into wolves on land or whatever. I don't remember Whoa, what they're called. that's cool. They're super cool. There's this hieroglyph on this. It spells out. It has the word the and then spells out what seems to be a name. Ofasu. That'd be a name or a title. If it's the Ofasu. Do we know what that is? Fasu. Or who that is? Yeah, does it ring any bells? Is that like a linguistics, maybe? I'll allow anyone that wishes to make me a knowledge nobility. I don't Sugar, have Sugar, look. Sugar, it's your time to shine. All right. Sugar rolls a nine or an eight for a 29. Wow. She, she has max ranks in story. That's one smart bird. Mm-hmm. It's not a title in any language that I'm familiar with or any cultures in the surrounding region. Sugar says it ain't a title. Mm. All right, so, well, what I guess let's uh, let's mm. go in prepared for... Masika kind of looks over back over her shoulder towards the Gorgon. 
Anything at, at this point, let's be real. I thought you were going to say trouble, and then I was going to say make it double. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have been killer. Yeah. Also, Citra missed an opportunity to say, did we win when you woke up? <laughs> and then we could be like, no, we're still fighting. Well, it's because I woke up, and there's a tiny little mechanical creature spitting acid above my head. <laughs> it seemed in, more In pressing. hilarious slow motion, like Baywatch-level slow motion. Yeah. Yep. And I'm sure I'm sure Narmer did his whole little lap around the room after his <laughs> yes. victory too. He did while, the Baywatch run. That dun, 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 I don't know the Baywatch song. I don't actually know the song, but I, I I do know the Baywatch run. Well, yeah, of course. I've seen Friends. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't be the Baywatch thing. I've seen the new Baywatch movie that has Zephron and The Rock. Was I forgot was that terrible. existed. There is a Single door exiting out of the chamber that you have not gone through. We're going through we're it. Going through it. We're going. Okay. We're going to visit the, traps first. the Ofasu. Looks clear. Opening the door, you find a ten-foot square chamber Jesus. beyond this door, leading up to another single door. All right, astronauts, everyone into the airlock. Really, really weird. We All check right. this room for secrets. I think he got a discount on doors. Thirty-three. Again. <laughs> so he just kept adding them because he had extra ones. You don't see any secret doors. I, I think the pharaoh's uh, slaves built all of these, and Chisset could do whatever he wanted. Yeah, but why? There's so many doors. Seems very weird. <laughs> Extra security? I mean, Got it's probably to keep sale. it symmetrical, too. I mean, the other one had a little antechamber, so this one needs one, too, because, you know, ancient Osirian. Also, opening doors and passing through doors, particularly in, is considered sacred to many of the faiths of the ancient Osirian gods. Mm. Each door probably being representative of something. Probably. Anyway, we shall enter. Opening the door. Again, a strange sight greets you. As the door opens, a soft breeze, carrying with the smell of dates and palms, rolls over you. You blink in the bright light of this chamber as you enter into what looks almost like a lifelike mural of a lake or pool surrounded on three sides by sandy shores. The Vista here includes small depictions of lakeside villages in the distance, giving the impression of almost as if looking down on society from the skies above. The roof here arches up, and you can tell that it arches to maybe a height of some 30 feet. However, there it becomes this sky of blue with clouds slowly rolling across it, obviously two-dimensional, but still as if looking up into the heavens. A blue sky pristine, with only the occasional white cloud to disrupt its expanse. Only one object sits in this unusual chamber. A 30-foot-long reed boat that appears to float on the waters of the lake. Oh, she has her mount and her boat. Okay, so that's a good-sized boat. It's a pretty big boat. Might be approaching yacht territory. Uh, Anyone that wishes to as you step into the room. Again, there's this breeze that flows through here from somewhere. Uh, Distantly, you can hear the sound of lapping water. Although, again, the water that this boat sits on seems to just be a design on the floor, Mm. not actual water. As if it's blue-colored sand as opposed to the sand that you step onto when you step into this chamber. The palms that occupy this room appear to be petrified or even just stone columns stretching up. Anyone that wishes to may make me an old religion. Okay. Mm. I roll a five for a 28. 
I roll a 9 for a 14, so I have no idea. Uh, Masika rolls a 19 for a 34. So, Masika, Hollis, uh, you both come to this realization pretty much at the same time. This is not a fishing boat, or even a travel boat. This boat would have never touched the water. This is a funerary boat, hmm. designed specifically to be buried with the dead. Oh. So ah. that they may have a boat to use in the afterlife. Judging by the design on the side of this, as well as the markings that cover it, as you've seen them elsewhere, this once belonged to the noble house Sekpatra. Yeah. Denying them and their family access to their ancestral river barge in the next life. I'm just saying, Man, she spends a lot of time caring about this. She's a super spiteful lady. They must have done something else to her other than petrifier. Like, why would they want to petrify her in the first place? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, let's I'm be honest. This is a, she may this have is a long-going it. feud. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. She really didn't like the Sekpatra. Mm-hmm. Anyone that wishes to may also make a knowledge engineering. Ooh, that's me. So I roll a 17 for a 29. I roll a 19 for a 36. Masika rolls an 11 for a 36. All three of you can tell that this boat has is in no way magically preserved. It is a funerary barge that has been sitting here in, fortunately, a relatively climate-controlled chamber. As in, there's no actual humidity or changes or anything like that, but for 6,000 years. Hmm. As such, it is not necessarily in the best condition. We probably shouldn't touch it. Mm. It will probably just fall apart. I mean, I don't see any reason to mess with it. No. I detect magic just for the fun. Uh, the walls, floor, and ceiling all contain illusionary magic. You can determine that with fairly, with relative ease. There's also something magical on the boat. Oh, there is something magical. Although you cannot on the boat. draw a line of sight to it. That feels What like if somebody got on somebody else's shoulders and then could she get line of sight and just mage hand it out? Sudi, hold still when I climb up Sudi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> whatever whatever this is is inside of the boat. It's inside. As in, there's oh, the like reed underneath. and then there's the deck and then Narmer, there's the Narmer, see beneath. if you can find a way in the boat since you can fly. Okay. And you have um, Mage Hand at will. That's true. I do have <laughs> awesome magical powers. That seems like a terrible thing to give him. <laughs> <laughs> He's using it to pilfer stuff from our packs. <laughs> There's an interesting side note. I mean, I can actually shelf-wide. I don't do it very often. Narmer's. Mostly because it's kind of like a bonding experience. It's like having having someone else have their lives in your hand. But no, I'll go in. I am Narmer, the Gorgon Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sudi seconds that motion right there. He's he's not wrong, technically. Yeah, um, exactly. That's what makes point it Point out Citrus to critical hit. Yeah, Citrus, like, how dare you? <laughs> More like he, the Gorgon finisher. <laughs> Ooh, I like that too. Gorgon, Gorgon finisher. finisher sounds good too. So, Masika. Mm-hmm. Well, Heather. Go ahead and roll me a d6. I don't like this at all. Oh, here we go. Roll... Three. <laughs> okay, middle of the road. Uh-huh. Go ahead and roll me perception roll. I don't like For an it. armor. For an armor. An armor rolls perfectly average and gets a 28. Okay. Go ahead and roll me percentile. Ooh. I don't this like. Weird. I don't it's like how this is probably to see in. if he can get in there, get the thing, and not destroy the entire boat. On top I, of himself. I get a 92. Okay. Mm. Again. Hmm. Now we're all just paranoid. 68. Again. Well, because he said Heather rolled this, not Masika. 84. You all step forward. 
I don't like it. Narmer flies his way forward. You hear a soft. <laughs> Before it like fades away as he slides inside of the boat, there's a long pregnant pause. You hear a creaking sound from the ship. And then Narmer's head pops back out. I found a box. Oh, good. I think it's magic. He holds up a box. <laughs> yeah, he can't tell if it's magic or not. Oh, also, there's tons of junk down here, mostly like sharp, breakable things. Hmm. I'm very dexterous. <laughs> Despite my adorable pot belly. He then Aww. flies up into the air and uh, returns back to you. It's funny because I am like 30% pot. Are you? <laughs> I'm not entirely positive what went into my construction, but it might be a pot. Probably there, iron. There was not a pot. Unless I just assumed growing, it was like... Unless he's been growing some inside of himself. I assumed other than like the flippers and the legs, I also was like part hippopotamus or something. I mean, don't you know that you were made from the Guardian? No, no, the, the sage was only my heart. All the rest of me was from all the like animatronic, animatronics that were scattered around. Kind of like the back storeroom of a Disney theme park. Hmm. Hollis, what's in the box? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hollis, what's in the box? box? Looks at the box. Make sure the box isn't trapped. Puts the box close enough to Citra to set off her alarm. <laughs> <laughs> you, wave, you wave it like it's a wand near and her. Citra's spider sense is tingling. <laughs> Just because she's about to get hit by a box. First off, the box is not trapped. Oh, that's good. The box is fine. Put it down. All right, all right, good. <laughs> I open the box. If it's Opening not the box. Uh, the box is about 12 inches long, uh, 6 inches wide, and about 6 inches deep. Is it another Senate board? It's it's roughly the size of like um, an Ollivander's wand box or something like that. It's just like, okay, Suspiciously box. Suspiciously similar oh, to an Ollivander's wand box. Opening the box. The box is empty. Uh, rude. Is the box magical? The box is magical. Oh, cool. It contains nothing. Oh, it what does magical. it do? Uh, you, what do you get taken 10 on a spellcraft? 33. This is actually something that all of you are somewhat familiar with. Oh, really? This box oh. is fashioned from bound reeds in a traditional Osiriani style. You'd actually heard about this a long, long time ago. Had even a brief, brief conversation pertaining towards it. Uh, way back when you first went to the ruins of Kerma to meet with the Moftet. Hmm. This is a dune boat. This functions akin to a folding boat. Like that item, it appears to be a box, 12 inches long, 6 inches wide, 6 inches deep when inactive. However, with a when a proper command word is given, the box unfolds itself rapidly and in the space of a single round to form a 10-foot long, 4-foot wide, 2-foot deep boat. Hmm. So it's a lifeboat. Um, it can also then, with a second command word, cause it to unfold even further into a ship 24 feet long, 8 feet wide, and 6 feet deep. Wow. Cool. It cannot unfold if there is not enough open space for it to occupy once unfolded. Hmm. Any objects formerly stored in the box now rest inside of the boat. That's cool. In its smaller form, the boat holds one pair of oars, an anchor, a mast, and a lantern cell. In its larger form, the boat has a deck, a single set of rowing seats, five sets of oars, a rudder, and an anchor, a deck cabin, and a mast with a square cell. The boat can hold four people comfortably while the ship can carry 15 with ease. A third command word will cause the boat or ship to fold itself into a box again, but only if it is unoccupied. However, a dune boat functions identical to a folding boat, save that it can move across sandy terrain as if it were moving across water. Wow. In boat okay. form, it can hold six people comfortably, while in ship form, it carries 20. 
I, I kind of need this handy. for my people when we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she's like, my people. <laughs> you had first learned of this because Caramal was the location where the dune boats were yeah, said to have originally been constructed. Citra cool. made the roll and about all the stories of the dune boats. The legendary dune boats. This is a legendary dune boat. That's neat. All oh right. Oh my god, they've always wanted one of these. But but Hollis wants this cuz adventuring. They have a boat. My people live in the desert and traverse it every day. Do you have any Your idea how useful this would fit be? On this boat? For the scouts <laughs> who have camels and horses and this boat's really obvious and loud? Wait, wait, wait. Point of order. I don't know a whole lot, but I know that boats use the oars to go uh, like through the water. Does that still work in sand? That seems like that yep. would be really hard. Seems so. No, it, it has the exact same resistance as if you were in water. <laughs> That's so very cool. cool. They are magical no, oars. I have no good reason why Studio would want that, but I want that. If well, you unfold it, so sure. if you yeah. into a full-size boat, it has a square cell, and you can and sail you this can boat sail. across the desert sands. It's very cool. Doing that like leaping over vendors. dunes. Yes, it'll be like that episode of Avatar. <laughs> yes, with no kidnapping. I know, alpha. that's exactly what I was thinking. Minus the cactuses. Until yeah. you unfold it, you have no idea what the boat looks like. But no, it's an awesome looking boat. We will definitely use this to get up, get over to uh, the next... Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh, what was it Does called? Does it work on water, too? Or just on sand? Is it a... Is it a can is we it put it in boat? the river? <laughs> it can do both. Wow, it functions, so cool. it functions identical wow. to a folding boat, except for, I guess, if you run into rocks or anything like that, you can just turn, hop the curb, basically, <laughs> sell up onto the beach and just keep going. That's rad. Okay, That's I can just rad. see, like, We're some, like, fishermen in their little boat just watch us ramp off into the, into the uh, you know, the dunes and just be like, well, now I've seen everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sudi, put it in the bag for later. Gladly. Because we'll probably need a boat, right? I Probably. mean, definitely we'll need some more of the transportation to get us there, so we might as well travel in style. Hmm. Yep. Uh, engraven across the side of in hieroglyphs is both its name as well as its activation word, which is the Path of Ra. Oh, that's cool. Oh, nice. it's called the Path of Ra, maybe. That's the name of the ship. You would think it would have been called the Osharu, but I guess that's the name of this boat. Ofasu? Ofasu? Maybe, Ofasu. Ofasu. maybe Ofasu is like an old term for funeral ship that mm. like, has just been lost to time. I mean, there could be a number of reasons why it's called that. All right, well. Or it could have been like the patri patriarch of the Sekpetra named his cat Ufasu, and then his cat died, and so he named the reboat after his cat. Could be. There was also a cat in there. Huh. Well, I I think that can stay in there. Nah, I guess he looked pretty comfortable. We're done. We go back. This is all that's down this hallway. You don't see any other inside of this room. Seems like. Unless we want to check the walls in here. They have illusory magic on them. That's all I know. Which would make it hard to find anything secret, I imagine. So I guess we want to go back. Yeah. Actually, I have to remind myself where where all we got, what all is next. Well, we have to go back and we go down a different snake tunnel, I think. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah, there should only so be what, one chamber? or two more. Uh, you've used two of the three serpent's tooths that you have. Okay, so there should only be one more path, right? Uno mm. mas. Yeah. Do you wish to put the serpent's fang in for the last path? Yes. Indeed. Yes. Very well. You turn, make your way. Your voice still echoing strangely in this place. Again, it's almost impossible to be stealthy or quiet here because the sound carries so exceptionally well. You place the tooth into the serpent's maw. There's the gush of air as the stone displaces that grinding sound like a thousand hisses inside of the stone walls. And a new path is open for you. We go we down follow it. it. We follow the yellow brick road. You We all, we all link arms and follow the yellow brick road. Linking arms. 
putting your weapons away so you don't stab one another, making your way forward. No, we don't no. do that. No, no, no. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot that there were there were downsides. No. <laughs> it was just a bit. It was just a bit. You make your way into the darkness of the tunnels, which wind their way further and further. As you begin to make your way, you wind upwards. You feel like you're ascending hmm. for most of this trek. As you do so, probably Sudi first, but then the rest of the party follows, you start to... It's not even here so much as almost feel vibrations in your teeth. Mm. As if there's something that is resonating so low in this constant rhythmic thrum ahead of you. Hollis probably shaking her head, her ears popping from the mm. pressure. It feels like some sort of odd, maybe magic, but this isn't any sort of natural phenomenon any of you are used to. The engine room's close, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it makes that low wom 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 sound that the uh, warp core does in Star Trek. <laughs> it's a very soothing sound, actually. The snaking passage continues ahead until the worked stone reappears, and you find a hallway making its way towards a large stone door. I check the door for any trebby traps. I guess I'll check this passage for secrets of the 33. Okay. Hollis casts mirror image, because that lasts for 10 minutes. Okay. Good call. Citra making your way forward. The door does not appear to be trapped. It is covered in hieroglyphs. All the walls here are more so than you've seen elsewhere. Just these column after column after column hieroglyphs, prayers to the dead. As you approach this door, you can see that there are twin depictions of Anubis, both in profile facing one another from either of the two stone doors. Alright, um, I don't sense anything dangerous immediately. <laughs> that's well, not a reassuring way to communicate that, you know. That's this right. is probably where the ant is. That's or what I'm thinking. chambers leading up to the ant. She's, mm -hmm. This is the last passageway. It has to be where she is. Mm -hmm. Everybody probably. be ready. I'm ready, say the... Say Hollis and the seven other Holluses. <laughs> oh gosh, you're like echoing, echoing now because there's seven of you. <laughs> Well, only one voice, though. Opening the door. The door opens up into a small room. <laughs> 10 feet wide, 15 foot long, with three other doors. Yeah, Oh, of it's three this time. Oh, we've what leveled are up. They, are, are they labeled? A single door marks the walls off towards your left and right. Another set of double doors exits out the opposite side from the double doors that you entered from. These, once again depicted with a deity, although in this case it appears to be twin depictions of the set beast-headed god set, hmm. staring across from either side. Masika oh, makes a face. The door off towards the left-hand side has an odd design akin to a pyramid across its surface. Hieroglyphs mark the sides of this and seem to extol the virtues of Hakatep, Lord of the Sky. As you step into this room, you can feel the thrumming in your bones as it seems to come to you from beyond that door and Citra lightly placing your fingers on it as you check it for traps. There's an almost imperceptible low vibration coming from that door. The door on the opposite side reads, Chambers of Preparation and Scrivener's Wall. I mean, I'm kind of feeling the wub-wub room. That's probably where the <laughs> controls are. I want to see if I can figure it out. Yeah. Cue the dubstep track as we as we enter in. Since uh -huh. you're looking over the door, you don't see any traps. 
long as I don't see a dead mouse, I think we're good. Ha! <laughs> anyway, Excellent. Into the door. To or the into the room. Yep, to the wub wub room. To the wub wub. We're drawn to the thing that makes our teeth chatter. Well, we just can't turn it off because that's probably the thing that's keeping us in the air. But if we can control it, we can bring it down. Yeah, we land. Or we just fly it away from Wati. Well, sure. And then we land. Well, if we know how to work it, we can just take it later. Rest for now. That's true. That's true. You turn. Open this door. The sight beyond is dazzling. For Hollis especially, this is a display of magic. Rarely seen in this age. Every available space on the walls of this octagonal domed chamber is decorated with complex hieroglyphs. They shimmer and glow and flash with blue light and sparks of electricity trailing one to the next to the next. In the center of this room stands a 10-foot tall scale model of a pyramid. Its southward face, the face facing you, emblazoned with the image of a five-pointed sun and constantly streaming electricity. Wow. A single beam of light shoots from the pinnacle of this pyramid to the apex of the dome overhead before breaking into eight columns of electricity which frame the outside of this room. And with every second, you can feel like a heartbeat. This constant thrumming of magical energy that suffuses this room. Oh, yes. You step into this chamber. Have a moment to look around. Oh. All of you taking in this awesome sight. The sheer power of this. Every single hair on Sudi's body beginning to stand on energy from the sheer electricity of this room as he walks in. He's boofy. Before Hollis. Oh, no. With your sea invisibility. Oh, no. Are aware that you are not alone. Oh, we're we're not alone, y'all. And in fact, are outnumbered. Oh, we're outnumbered. Oh! And we'll pick it up here next time. I'm really glad I have mirror image on. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a good call. That was a very good call. Oh, man, I don't have my... Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mommy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mommy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.